This is the Decibel Geek Podcast with Aaron Camaro and Chris Sinzak. All right, welcome back once again to the Decibel Geek Podcast. I'm Aaron Camaro, joined as always by Chris Sinzak. How's it going, my man? Doing great, man. This is going to be a fun one today, huh? Yeah, this is uh, a lot of work went into getting this one put together, but I think uh, you'll, people will be pleased with the results. Not for me. I took the week off. Yeah, you did. Well, that's all right. I worked hard last week. <laughs> yeah, you did. So I can take it easy this week. Yeah, so uh, those of you listening for the first time, thanks for listening. We are the Decibel Geek Podcast. We discuss classic rock, metal, music, all that good stuff. All kinds of stuff. Hard rock, heavy metal. If you have exquisite taste in music, then you will love our show. Yeah, so you know we put new episodes out every week, so I hope you'll jump on board, join on iTunes, give us a rating, go to Facebook.com slash Decibel Geek. And uh, one thing we do on the Facebook page that you can be eligible for just by joining the discussion is Geek of the Week. And... uh, this week's Geek of the Week is a guy named Aaron Baker. And uh, let me get my notes right here. Aaron is from Springfield, Ohio. And his parents have great taste in first names. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And uh, he, Aaron participates regularly on the, the uh, Facebook page. And, uh, right on. I just picked one quote he, he put this past week or two. said, can't wait for this week's show. Hashtag excited. That'd, can't beat that. Yeah, can't beat that. So thanks for being a listener, Aaron, and uh, enjoy being the prestige and honor of being the geek of the week. Mm-hmm. And uh, The power and the glory of it all. Exactly. And uh, so, yeah, this week's guest for this week's interview is Jerry Gaskill. And uh, for those that don't know, unless you've been living under a rock, Jerry is the drummer for King's X. Amazing drummer. And, uh, you know, King's X's beginnings go trace back to 1979 when he met Doug Pennock in Springfield, Missouri. So we're, we're talking about a long career here. Um, in this interview, Garrett, Jerry was in town to work on his second solo album with um, D.A. Carcos, who is a local producer, musician, arranger, jack-of-all-trades. Mm-hmm. And um, D.A. has worked with Jerry over the years, also produced the recently released John Karabi Unplugged album. I've been reading some great reviews on that. Yeah, Wally just put out a, a review of it. Yep. So, uh, yeah, so, you know, uh, D.A. works out of uh, Underdog Studios here in Nashville. Just go to theunderdogstudios.com, and that's where we recorded this interview. Right on. So, um, yeah, we're going to go over a lot with Jerry. He had a bad year last year, but he's come out with a new sense of life, and he's, it's amazing. You'll hear it in his voice in the interview. He... Uh, had a heart attack in February, got married in September, and then lost everything in Superstorm Sandy in November. It's it's Ouch. a real roller coaster ride of a year, but you'll be amazed at the grace the guys handled it with. I like how you put it: the, the heart attack, the the superstorm, and getting married. Like getting married is such a bad. A lot thing. of me was a bad. Thing. <laughs> we went low to high to low, and now right. he's. <laughs> now he's on a high again. Seems he's, like he's doing real good for himself now, though. Yeah, came here in Nashville this past week and has worked with DA and also Michael Wagoner, who right you know, on. has a resume that speaks for itself. Love that guy. So, yeah, Nashville's turning into a new rock city, man. I'll tell you what. Heck yeah. We're really doing well here. We're catching so, up uh, to you, Cleveland. Yeah. We uh, we go over Jerry's uh, early influences, who got him into music, uh, playing gigs at eight, seven, age seven with, wow. his, with his band. Um, Woodstock 94, people don't won't forget that. You no, know, they, that they stole crazy. the show. Yeah. Um, if you know, I went over with King's X's history of possibly being a Christian band or not. Jerry gives us his opinion, thoughts on that. Mm, good deal. Um, yeah, we go over it a lot, so let's just go ahead and get on with it. This is uh, my talk with Jerry Gaskill and DA Carco. Jimmy, is that, is that 
Mr. Pink? Reservoir Dogs? Yeah, man. Yeah. Mr. Pink, man. Yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I've never seen that movie. I should see that movie. You've huh? never seen Reservoir Dogs? No, I haven't. Wow. I should. Huh? I have it. I should see it. That's a, that's worth Make your time. Copy. Put it on my uh, thing. I will. All right. All right. This is movie time with Jerry Gaskell. <laughs> but, um, well, you know, we and we just had a we were getting things set up. First, want to thank um, D. A. Carcos who is letting us use his studio for this, and he is Jerry's. Is what do we call it? Co-arranger, co-producer, friend, friend, friend confidant, collaborator, partner confidant. in crime, confidant. Yeah, yeah. I mean, kind of in, in a sense. Oh yeah, kind of. Maybe. Yeah. Not that. You would need that it from me, but if you wanted yeah. me to be one of those, oh, I'd do yeah. it. Oh, thanks, Dan. <laughs> DA, whatever your name is. Yeah, man. <laughs> Call me Don, Dave. <laughs> but yeah, uh, my pleasure, man. And, yeah. Uh, we're here at Underdog Studio for yeah. listeners there yes. in Nashville. Yeah, Tennessee. here in Nashville. and uh, Producer, everything. And yeah. Jerry is here uh, to work on his newest solo album. And um, as we were talking before we got on mic, you, had, uh, you started working on this last January. And um, you've had a bit of a brief detour before picking it up this week. Yes. That'd be an understatement, right? Kind of. It's been quite a year for it's you. It's been quite a detour. Um, Good detours. You have, an, you have an amazing attitude about this, hmm. I got to say, because I'm, I, I'm naturally kind of a, and a lot of, I think a lot of Americans are glass half empty people. Mm. Uh, the grace that you've handled everything you've been through in the last year has been pretty tremendous. Well, thank you, man. Well, you're welcome. And um, as I told you before, I interviewed you back, I think it was in 2008. It could have been earlier. But um, for a local website, I ran it. And I, I walked away from that thinking, man, like that's a really nice guy. I was like, because, you, you know, you guys are King's X or Road Dogs. You guys are, have toured for a long time and uh, put in a lot of hours. And I'm thinking, and, and you guys are so accessible to your fans. And I got to wonder, like, it's amazing that, that you guys don't have the oh, I'm above that. I don't need to be bothered by fans, you know, bugging me after shows and all that. You guys actually seem to embrace it. It doesn't seem to suck the life out of you like a lot of artists seem to feel. Hmm. How do you, has that always been kind of a personal credo of yours to where I'm going to I'm gonna treat these people good that paid good money to come out and see me? Well, I've always felt that, you know, the fans are the reason that we're, we're there. Mm -hmm. I mean, if there weren't fans, then we wouldn't be out there doing this. Mm -hmm. And I'm always honored to speak with the fans. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, it's as much an honor for me, I think, as it is for them mm -hmm. to speak with me. And, um, yeah, I think it's just a great thing. You know, yeah. it's a give and take thing. I mean, we're all in this together. Well, and I was taken aback when I saw you guys on that show because you were supporting Ogretones at that time. And, um, you know, I had known about King's X for a very long time. I remember going back to, I think Gretchen Goes to Nebraska was when I first heard you guys. Um, and seeing other bands that are on kind of in the same stature as you play at the same club. And fans would line up outside the bus to, you know, hopefully get an autograph or get a photo. And I was thinking it's going to be much more the same. With you guys, but my friend who I'd told you about was a huge fan of yours and seen you in a number of times. Was like, no, you're gonna be surprised. And um, you guys must have spent like two and a half, almost three hours outside the gig after the show was over, before you even left town to go to the next gig, yeah. talking with fans, signing autographs, hearing personal stories. And that really, I mean, that really blew me away. Because, and that's 
because not everybody does that with their fans and i think that's that's a testament to you guys and um and you guys have some serious fans i mean king's x you know i'm a fan i'm not i wouldn't call myself a diehard fan but there were plenty of them at that show and i gotta think what kind of fan are you then I mean, I'm a fan. I'm not a. <laughs> oh, we're gonna we're it's gonna question my, my fandom joke. here. Um, you brought it up. All right, all right. But um, I was just thinking, you guys have some seriously hardcore fans. I mean, mm. and uh, when did the, has that been? Ever since the first album that that they've been that way. I think so. Yeah. I mean, now when I look back, I guess it's been from the beginning. Yeah. I mean, people took to us from the beginning, especially in England. Mm-hmm. You know, Kerrang! magazine, for instance, they put us on the cover before the first record came out. Wow. And we're like, wow, people like us. They really like us. <laughs> you know, that kind of a thing. <laughs> and, 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 and it was all new to us. I mean, sure. there's a part of us that have, has always believed that this is something that could happen. Yeah. And we'd like for this to happen, you know, because this is what we do. We make music and we mm-hmm. grew up with rock stars and we want to be like them and all that stuff. Yeah. But the reality of it is a completely different thing because you you work hard for that stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, people might see you on the cover of magazine of a magazine, but there was like seven, eight years before that where we're struggling trying to, mm-hmm. you know, let anybody hear the music or make a living at all. Sure, sure. So, and it's still kind of new to me yeah. that that people feel that way about us even after well, all these years and with what you went through in the last year i guess you saw a lot of that firsthand as far as the love that your fans have for you i, I mean, did man i have been overwhelmed all of 2012 with the love and the concern and the genuine support mm-hmm. from people from all over the world yeah it's i mean it's just overwhelming to me i mean i always kind of knew that people cared about the band mm-hmm. because you know you can kind of see it. Yeah. But the, the concern, the love, the support has just been overwhelming, genuine support, you know? Right. And I guess it's easy to handle, it's it's easier to handle something like this with Grace when you've got that many people behind you, you know? Maybe. Yeah. I don't know any other way. Right. That's the only thing I know. Right. And you were, t- and you were telling me that, you know, you know, for those that don't know, and you know, last February you had a massive, massive heart attack. I did. And, um... With pretty much not much warning coming up to it, not really. And the uh, I rem- I remember as I told you, I remember thinking I was like I interviewed that guy a few years ago, and I only had a few minutes with him. But what a nice guy! He didn't deserve this, you know. And I was just like, you know, this is this is un- it was a shock because wow. you know you didn't seem to be leading like a, you know like like you were going down the path of someone who would have a heart attack. I didn't feel like it. Yeah, yeah. And like I was telling you earlier. Even though it seems so tragic, and it is kind of tragic, had uh, I been alone, I would be dead. I mean, I literally would not be talking to you right now. Right. But fortunately, Julie, my wife, was there, and she basically saved me. You know, she, you know, trying to keep me alive and calling nine one one, and mm-hmm. you know, and all that. But uh, it's turned into a, the best thing that's ever happened to me in my life. Right. I can't imagine my life without this damn heart attack. <laughs> it's a strange way of looking at it, but it's a good, it's a positive way. Um, and you mentioned Julie, who at the time was your fiance. She was. And then you went on to marry her in September. Is that what September first, I did. Okay, so we Las go, Vegas. So Las Vegas drive through. Oh, you did one of those. Yes, we did. It's incredible. Did a did a phony Elvis do the ceremony or anything? No, we had a really nice 
man, I, I used to know his name. I can't think of it right now, but it's not an American sounding name. It's uh-huh. like, I can't think of it. I wish I could. Mahajid, <laughs> oh, Mahajid Ramadan or something like that. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And he was great. And it was just the two of you? Uh, and we had a friend of uh, ours drive us. Really? Yeah, it was incredible. And was it spur of the moment, or did you plan it out to, to go through there? Well, we had been planning on getting married for quite some time. Yeah. And it finally came to the point where I said, look, we got to do this now. Let's just do this. Let's just book a flight. We'll go to Las Vegas. We'll do this. We'll go see Cirque du Soleil Love like we've been planning. <laughs> and we did the whole thing. We stayed at the Mirage. We did it all. We went through the drive through It was incredible. We got married. And, uh, yeah, it was great. Sounds storybook almost. So did it? Did you have any? Did you get any grief from family members going? Why didn't you tell me? I would have been there. No, not no? at all. Because we t- because we had a big party. Oh, you did a week later. Oh, okay. And everybody came, and it was just incredible. Well, that works. I mean, everybody wants to wants to be there for the reception anyway, right? Yeah, that's that's yeah. the more fun part for everyone. I mean, we else. told anybody they could come if they wanted to. Sure. Yeah. But it was great just to have us there doing it. Right. It turned into the most beautiful thing I could have ever imagined. That's great. And that, so we go from the low, then we're going back up on an upward trajectory. Yeah, now we're up again. And like, things are yep, going great. Yep. And then Superstorm Sandy hits New Jersey where you live. Yes, it does. Hits us hard. And wipes out just about everything you have. Gone. And I read this, and I was like, my heart is breaking for this guy. I was like, what a year. I mean, to, to go from that. And, and Dan, you're, <laughs> you're personal friends with Jerry. What were you thinking when this was going on? I, I really, I, I couldn't believe it, you know, and, uh, you know, I, I, when I talked to Jerry, was it was maybe the day after that happened, right? Was it? Maybe. Like, I couldn't believe it, you know, but Jerry was really positive even like a day afterwards. Mm-hmm. Like he, his, he chose to kind of embrace this is what's happening. I'm going to go ahead and uh, do what I got to do and it's pretty inspirational. Yeah, I, re- I read something like the day after in a, from someone who had talked to you in the media and said uh asked for his reaction said something like jerry says he's more excited about the future than ever and i was like that's amazing that you could say something like that after what you just went through and i am that's the absolute truth if i said something other than that yeah i wouldn't be speaking the truth wow and julie how how has she has she been much the same through yeah yeah she's she's great we first walked into our house after this whole thing happened and we didn't really know what to expect there was a big storm the year before Mm mm-hmm and we, we kind of live in a flood zone. Yeah. Or we did live in a flood zone. And last year, the water came up to the top of our steps on the front porch. Mm-hmm. And we had no damage whatsoever. And we thought, okay. And the house next to us was completely demolished. Mm. You know, they had to redo everything. to put their house up on stilts now. Wow. And so they didn't get harmed by this storm. Sandy. Right. But um, we thought, well, this one might be bigger. Mm-hmm. So we prepared a little bit more, put our things up. We thought maybe a foot of water in the house, maybe. Yeah. And so we kind of prepared, thought, okay, I think we're good. I think we're good. Right. But when we got to the house and opened the front door, had never had imagined we'd see what we saw. Mm. You know, everything in the house was destroyed. Mm. Refrigerator toppled over, washer toppled over, everything. It was everything we had just. Worst done. case scenario, right in your face. Worst case scenario, right in our face. And we like, we opened the door and it was like, okay. <sighs> and we both were just like, hmm, all right. We're just walking around the house. Okay, let's go. Oh <laughs> and my we goodness. left and we knew we had to clean it up. We had to deal with it. Yeah. And 
you know, people helped us. It's been amazing, you know, friends and family and support from everybody. Yeah. Just incredible. Yeah. I remember when I was reading about it and then like, I, I, you know, I have friends, also friends that are fans of yours and. I remember a lot of the the same statements coming out. I'm like out. you, right? Oh yeah, yeah. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a Jerry hater. No, I'm a, I remember reading stuff where people basically saying we got to rally the troops again for Jerry because you know mm. we we did it the we did it in February now we're going to do it again and, and you know another really outpouring of love for you and an, uh, another unbelievable outpouring of love. Yeah. Without that, I don't know. Yeah. You know, we would just. I I think I'd still be positive or thinking, hey, we're going to do this. Right. But. The love has just been unbelievable, right. and I and I cannot thank everybody enough, yeah, you know, for all the love I've been shown. And yeah, I think there was a uh, a benefit concert here in town for yeah. you. There was not one for ago. the heart attack and for this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember hearing about Dan that. Dan was a part of the, the last uh, one. David Parks, um, a drummer here, a uh-huh. local drummer. Yeah, it was like um, a lot of low, drummers doing. It was songs. all drummers, right? Man, kind of featured just like drumming. Yeah, you know, and they had a great band there. Um, I can't remember the bass player's name. He was, he was, he was an incredible bass player. Chris mm-hmm. Nix, I met, great guitar player, and mm-hmm. all these drummers um, put on a fantastic show. Um, but David Parks is a drummer for, I think it's Low Cash Cowboys. Low Cash Cowboys. Oh, okay. So he, he's a touring drummer, whatever, really good guy, and he hooked up these benefits, man. He's just a sweetheart, you know? Mm-hmm. And uh, met him on the first benefit when he had the heart attack and went down there, me and my buddy Matt Farley, who were, you know, we were in actual, you know, we're in Jerry Gaskill's solo band on the first record. Right. So we went up there and uh, we sang you guys all those did tunes, sing. you know, Incredible. and we had a great time. It's like King's X karaoke, man. And we're huge <laughs> fans. Like, we're yeah. hardcore. We're one of those people, man. Okay. Kind of like you. Know? you. <laughs> <laughs> so Being we targeted like, on my own show. Well, you brought it up. <laughs> it That's was true. so fun, man. It was great, man. Great my my buddy that I told you that was to say hi, he's going he's gonna to love this. Cause all right. Like, yeah, because he's always like, oh, you need to listen to this, this, and this. And so, yeah. But he, and I will have to say, too, that Matt Farley yeah. did an incredible version of We Are Finding Who We Are. And that... Yes, and that is like one of the most difficult King's X songs that mm-hmm. you know. Like if you want, it's like a mountain oh. to climb. And he vocals. climbed that thing, did he? He not? climbed it, man. He Ooh. he did it some justice, Incredible. right? Incredible. Now, Farley, I, man. I I will say for my own diehard moment that I had with King's X <laughs> at that accident show, you played um, the song Visions. Yeah. You guys went into this long jam during the song. And I swear, it was like a religious experience. Wow. And me and my buddy looked at each other, and we were like, this, you can't even, you couldn't buy this in a store. Wow. And everybody says that, though. I said that. My girl Shane over there said that. Religious experience is kind of how yeah, you... Yeah, I've heard of it a few and, times. That, and you see that in people's faces at your shows. I mean, it's... And I, I mean, that, that part of that song... I was just like First floored. Church of Rock and Roll. Do what? First Church of Rock and Roll. Yeah. I mean, I looked at my friend, I was like, and he looked at me and he's like, this is what I've been telling you about. And It's magic. Oh, it was wow. It was just one of those things where everyone was just feeling it at the same time. It's incredible. And you guys almost, it's almost like you guys go into a trance at certain points in some of your songs. And I'm probably just it. thinking, oh, wow, there's a bottle of wine back there. So as I'm done with the song, Well, don't, don't spoil the myth. <laughs> yeah, don't spoil the myth. <laughs> He's like, I am a rock and roller after, after all, right? And now, Deep Thoughts with David Lee Roth. This is a great pool party. 
who picked the music? David Lee. Didn't he just play some Earth, Wind, and Fire? He's sexy. Yeah. I'm going to blow up. Aren't you somebody's wife? So what? We'll be right back. But not right after this. So what's your name again? Listen to the Decibel Geek Podcast on your iPhone, Android phone, BlackBerry, and WebOS phones with Stitcher. Stitcher's smart radio for your phone. Find it in your app store or at stitcher.com. Stitcher Smart Radio, the smarter way to listen to radio. Hi, I'm Led Zeppelin's pet mud shark. And you're listening to the Decibel Geek Podcast. I'm I'm assuming you had a lot of close contact with Ty and and Doug through a lot of this stuff. Oof. The Ty and Doug that you went through with the heart attack and with the hurricane. You remember Ty and Doug? Ty and Doug. Those two guys that you play with once in a while. <laughs> <laughs> no, I yeah, we 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 talked a little. Yeah. 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 Doug actually uh, sent me a link to a movie mm-hmm. called Forks Over Knives. I've seen that. Yeah. You you you've seen the yeah. movie? Yeah. And he said you and Julie just need to watch this together. Mhm. We didn't. I watched it by myself. Okay. But it just made sense to me. Yeah. And I have completely changed the way I eat now. Mhm. You know, yeah. and I know that there are people who find fault with it and say, "Oh, the facts aren't all there," and blah blah blah. And that's pretty much the case with anything that you sure. read or see. That's just life. Right. There's always a differing opinion. Sure. But we have to find the things in ourselves that make sense. Yeah. And that made sense to me. Yeah. And it excites me now. All the new foods that I've discovered that I can eat. Mm-hmm. That aren't going to necessarily kill me. Yeah. And I just feel better. Yeah. You know, I never feel bloated. I right. feel, I just feel okay. I'll say you look he- awfully healthy. Yeah. I mean, I, you, you look great. Thanks, man. And this is an audio podcast. I know that doesn't translate on here, but, but you, you look, you look a lot better than I honestly was expecting after what you went through last year. Thank you, man. Because I, I was like, and last year when it happened, I was like, it, it was not looking good for you at first. It I wasn't. Mean, it was, I mean, there were reports that he may not, get through this i i was gone man yeah i was gone like i said earlier had julie not been there yeah i've been alone we wouldn't be talking I, we would not be talking right now because mm. there was no possible way i could have recovered from what happened yeah. if there wasn't immediate attention right you know it's just the way it is well then you so then you decide to pick up where you left off and come back here to nashville to yep. start working again and uh well how's it's been a week now that you've been here Yep, I've been here a week. So how's the week been? It's been great. Yeah? You agree, Dan? Great, great week. It's the best week. The best week. Mm-hmm. Michael mm-hmm. Wagner's studio, Wire World Wireworld Studios, mm-hmm. went there, did all the drums. I uh, had five days to do them. I'm thinking, oh, man, can I do this in five days? Oh, no. And I get all, <laughs> that's the way I am. I get nervous. Thinking, sure. Oh, you know, I'm not going to do it. Everybody's going to think I'm stupid. They're going to say, oh, okay. That's just the way I am. <laughs> You're way too hard on yourself. And, <laughs> and we ended up doing all the drums, and I think they're pretty good. And, they're fantastic. And, I mean, inspired <laughs> playing, and, and you nailed it. In two and a half days. Yeah? 11 songs. Yeah, like a 
We had days off after that. We're like, yeah, we had we days this? off, <laughs> and we took lunch <laughs> we breaks while wine. we're there. Yeah, we'll drink some wine and cool, have a good time and do it's interviews incredible. and cool. And did, did did you write the lyrics for this one? I did. I wrote all the lyrics. Now, is there stuff that's related to what you've been through in the last year on this? Well, I'm not going to say anything about the lyrics. I'm going to let you decide on your own about okay. the lyrics. So leave it up for interpretation. Yep. I always find that when you tell people what something means, it takes away from what it really means for them sometimes. That's a, yeah, that's a good way of doing it. Mm-hmm. Well, what what can you tell us about the direction of the, the next record? Don't tell me the lyrical content, but what, what what's the overall sound I of think this the, the overall, uh, I was going to tell you about the direction, which is more like a northeast, northeastern, <laughs> I'd say, right? Northeastern. Yeah, kind of northeastern. I'd say northeastern. Oh, okay. A little bit of southern. Yeah, it, and, and every once in okay. a while it goes to a south. It's being southwest. put out on uh, GPS records. Yeah, northeastern, <laughs> southwest. Yeah. What was that? It's like GPS records. That's a cool. your record label. Oh, GPS records. <laughs> it's actually M Jam. M Jam records. It's going to be on okay. M Jam records. Yes, it is. Okay. And is that short for Moan Jam? No, it has nothing to do with anything okay. with King's X. Just wondering. It's a Jerry Gaskell <laughs> solo record band. Come on, okay. solo record. Gotcha. <laughs> Um, I don't. I never know how to de, to describe the direction of the music that I'm doing. Mm-hmm. And plus, Dan is a great, great big part of all this. I mean, I bring ideas to Dan, mm-hmm. and then he sometimes comes up with parts and and directions that I would have never thought of that I just love. That's good. And so that to bounce off. Yeah. So this is a. I feel this record is a total. I'd say basically a total collaboration between the two of us. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I mean, some songs are so. written, I've, I compl- completely wrote by myself, right? And we kind of did them that way with your um, touches. Mm-hmm. And then other songs, many other songs, you've written parts yourself. Yeah, like I'd be like, hey, man, what about this uh, this chord here? What about that? You know, mm-hmm. or, uh, yeah. But as far as lyrically and stuff like that, you know, that, that's all all Jerry. It's all his music. I just kind of come in there and, I, and embellish certain things. Right. Mm-hmm. Maybe I'll throw a harmony idea over a melody, that type of thing. You yeah. Because and, and, I don't want to put myself too much in the equation. This is a Jerry Gasco record. And right. You're going to, it's obvious. Yeah. When you hear it. So, uh, yeah, I'm really I'm really proud of this record, man, and how, and how it's going to turn out. And uh, Do we have a ETA on when it's going to be coming out? Sometime in the future. <laughs> Definitely in the future. Yeah, probably. Yeah, I'm thinking yeah. that too. Yeah, I'm <laughs> hoping this year. Okay. There's no there's no timeline, no right. set date, no pressure. Just get it done when but it gets done. we're going to get it done. Yeah, yeah. we're definitely uh, focused. Yes, you know? yes, absolutely. We just want it to be the best it can be. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And will you be coming back into town for, for any more session work on I will. I will be coming back. You will? Yes, I will. What do you think of Nashville overall? Overall, I think Nashville is great. Yeah. Yes, Nashville's a great town. Very southern. Yeah. I haven't, I haven't heard this. Uh, I haven't heard the uh, Southern dialect in quite some time. Oh, really? Living in New Jersey. Yeah, you don't get much it's of a little, there. A little bit different. But, but uh, you don't have the New Jersey accent. Hmm. Because I've been away for so long. Yeah, I think. you travel so much. I'm from much. South Jersey, which I don't know if they. There is a certain accent. There's a South and, Jersey accent. And I will say this: when I moved away from New Jersey for the first time, mm-hmm. and I went to other parts of the country, I realized that I said certain words differently than other people. Mm-hmm. And it was kind of strange to me. So I consciously decided to change the way I, I spoke. Really? And now it's natural for me to speak the way I speak. Hmm. Like I, I come from an area where oh, the, 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 the O sound yeah. is very O-y. 
<laughs> like I spoke to you mm-hmm. and uh, things like but I don't t- I don't talk like that anymore I used to yeah but now I say I spoke to you yeah I don't say I spoke to you yeah, you so, had to get away to kind I of did. hear what was going on. Man, exactly. Neighbor sounds like that. Yeah, and I said, that's what I sound. I don't want to sound like that. Well, and I, yeah, I learned that myself when I moved out of out of Tennessee. I like moved up to Missouri when it's more monotone, and they'd be like, "Oh, you sound so southern." I'm like, "I don't hear that at all." But you know, you get outside of it, and then you notice it. But mm-hmm. um, but yeah. So uh, so is there going to be any um, Jerry and the Knights songs on the uh, solo album? Well, Jerry and the Knights. I think we only had one original song. Oh, really? It was called Wild Illusions. Now tell me, how does a seven-year-old wind up playing a club show? We were... Actually, it was a show. It was a it was a, a party for Miss New Jersey. Mm-hmm. Her name was Kay Franzen. And she won Miss New Jersey. And she was a friend of ours. Mm-hmm. She lived right down the street from us. And uh, we had just formed the band... And she asked us to play. Mm-hmm. So we did. And I was seven years old. It was very, very exciting. Yeah. I'm in a bar and I'm playing this show. I'm seven years old. And uh, I remember she paid me $2. And I thought, wow, I am you can on get paid my for this. way. <laughs> $2. Yeah. I'm seven years old. And I got paid $2 to play the damn drums. It was Which incredible. Which you would have done anyway, right? Yeah, I would have done it for free. <laughs> yeah. She paid me. And dad was a total dad. Dad's who got you into this stuff. Well, actually, it was me that got me into it. But dad was a, a musician, also. Really. Yeah, my dad was a musician, and my yeah. brother also. They mm-hmm. both play guitar, and I'm the one who wanted a band. So he said, "Well, let's put a band together." And it was it was all because of me. Right. And so there you go, Jerry and the Knights. Did dad perform professionally? No, not really. But Just, he he wrote songs and he sang. He was a great singer. Yeah. Wrote some cool songs. That's cool. Yeah. And, um, and we were that, all instrumental. We did only. We were all instrumental. We did anything from a, from a waltz to a, polka to a Beatles song, to an original called Wild Illusions. Yeah. You know whatever. Now were the Beatles were the is that what was that the gateway drug, to rock and roll for you? Kind of yeah. Yeah. I, mean, I was I was I was listening to music even before the Beatles came like mm-hmm. Beach Boys. Yeah. And things like that. I was definitely into music, but when the Beatles came, that was it. That was definitely the gateway drug. Did you watch the Sullivan appearance? I watched the Sullivan appearance. I saw it as it happened. See, I, I envy anyone who got to do that. Yes, yeah. I'm very thankful it was for that. A magical moment. Right? It was in, well. It's like Men from Mars were on your TV. You know, it was ap- it was unlike anything. It just changed everything. It just everything now made sense. Yeah, that makes sense. And mm-hmm. just uh, I think it was last weekend or the weekend before I was. I went down to visit my mom in South Jersey. My brother came over, and he was telling me about the first time we ever heard the Beatles together. Mm-hmm. The first time we'd ever heard the Beatles. Right. And I don't remember this, but he does. He says, we're sitting in the car, we're, we're driving to our Uncle John's house, mm-hmm. and the Beatles came on the radio. And I think it was She Loves You. Mm-hmm. And this is probably 1963. Yeah. Some people on. will refute this, but I know that they released that record okay. before I saw her standing there. Okay. Or I Want to Hold Your Hand. I Want to Hold Your Hand. That was mm-hmm. their first big single yeah, in America. Yeah, that was the big one, yeah. But they released other things, and She Loves You it was one of them. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what I heard. And my brother told me that I was so excited to hear it. And my reaction inspired him. Really? Yeah. And that, that, that was really cool for me to hear. Yeah. Because I don't remember that. What did mom and dad think of the Beatles? 
uh, you know, I don't really know about that. But they didn't give you grief for liking. No, they didn't that give stuff. me grief at all. They 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 have always been totally supportive. That's a good thing. Of anything to have. I want, yeah. and uh, I had everything Beatles. I want to have Beatle wallpaper. Mm-hmm. I remember going down to the store and saying, "Okay, I want Beatle wallpaper in my house." And they, went, I remember them looking through the book and everything, looking for Beatle wallpaper, and they said, "Well." For some reason, they just couldn't order the Beetle wallpaper, yeah. and I, and I end up with this damn uh, race car shit. <laughs> but, I, but I want Beatles. Yeah, that doesn't know. add up. Yeah. yeah, but it's all yeah. So Beatles, and then did did, did that? Did you get uh, hooked by the Stones also when they came around? The Stones didn't do it so much for More me. More of a Beatles back guy. Then. It was totally Beatles, but I get the Stones now, and I and I, and I yeah. totally love the Stones. Yeah, but it, it, it was it was Beatles for me. What about Cream? Loved cream. Ginger Baker influence on you? To a certain degree, yes. Yeah. To a certain degree, yes. Yeah. But I loved cream, yeah. yeah. Ginger to a certain degree, yes, no doubt. No what was doubt. your? Who was your your drum guy? Was it Ringo? Ringo was probably the first. Yeah. And then John Bonham. John Bonham. John Bonham's probably my biggest. Right. You know, influence. Right. As far as the way I actually play. Right. Yeah, and Buddy Rich. Not oh, that I play anything yeah. like him, but, no, but to me, yeah, you, those two together, You have to kneel at the drumming. altar of the great one with Buddy Rich. I mean, yeah, that, that, that that's is undeniable. ultimate drumming. That is just yeah, it's, everything. That's a science. Yeah. yeah. But you put those two together, that, to me, is perfect drumming. Right. And then played in groups through high school? I did. Yeah. 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 And then you then you wind up going to college in Missouri. I did for one semester. What made you decide to move out to Springfield, Missouri? Was it something about that college in particular? Yeah, there was something liked? about that college in particular. Yeah. Yeah. And that's when uh, you started playing with, is it Greg? Uh, Greg Voles. Greg Voles. Yep, I met Greg Voles. And that's how you met, I'm trying to get my story straight here. Okay. That's when you met Doug, correct? It was through Greg Voles that I met Doug. And then you start playing with Doug with Phil Keggy. That is correct. The original the original idea was for us to uh, join the band Petra. Right. That was Greg's group. Yeah, that was Greg's group. Right. Good. And uh, that never worked out. Yeah, it just didn't happen for us to be in that band. I think I don't. That's good. <laughs> Wine break. <laughs> I don't know if I'm. I mean, I can't speak for other people, but I think that Greg felt bad that that didn't work out. Yeah, because Doug moved down there to join this band, and mm-hmm. you know, we're going to be in Petra. I thought, all right, and we're thinking, oh, that'll be great, Petra. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so he. I guess called Phil Keggy mm-hmm. and he says, look, I got these guys. We could be a band. Mm-hmm. And ultimately we ended up playing with Phil Keggy, which was even oh, he's, more incredible than Yeah, he's, he's an amazing to guitarist. To be in a band with. Yeah, yeah. Did you, have you seen him since you got here in town? I haven't seen him yeah. since this time, but oh. I talked to him last time I was you here. Did? Last okay, year I talked yeah. to him. So I've always said the world's a better place because Phil Keggy's in it. You told me that the last time I interviewed I did? you. Yep, exact oh. same words. Well, yep. I still I still feel that way. Yeah, he's great. Yeah, yeah. And then, and you wind up meeting Ty because Ty wants to borrow your drum kit. That's true. And Ty was a drummer back in those days. Well, it's a weird thing. Uh, it was a Phil Keggy show. Yeah. And uh, it was at the college that that we both went to. Yeah. I, I went there previous to this. Mm-hmm. I left that school because I met Phil Keggy. Right. I'm thinking, hey, you know, I I'm I have a job. Phil Keggy. <laughs> And, uh, and I think I may have gone back to school after that too. But right. anyway, uh, Ty was in one of the opening bands, and he was originally to be the guitar player. Mm-hmm. 
this is the story that I understand to be true. It might not be, but I understand. I, I believe it to be true. I'll believe you on this. Yeah, yeah. sure. And uh, the the and then their drummer wasn't able to make the show. Yeah. So they asked him if he could play drums. Oh. And he said, "Well, yeah, I guess I could. You know, <laughs> all right, I'll do it." So he became the drummer of that show. Okay. And he came up to me before the show and asked me if he could use my drums because he didn't have any drums because he wasn't a drummer. Right. And uh, that's the first time I ever met Ty. And I said, yeah, sure. Yeah, you can use my drums. I don't know why I said that, but I did. <laughs> and that's the first time we ever met. And yeah. I didn't think anything of it. Right. I, I wasn't thinking, oh, well, that's Ty Tabor. Right. You, know. you don't know who he was. <laughs> Just some guy without a drum kit. Yeah. Yeah. And then, then um, the band that he was playing with is actually the Tracy Zinn band, which I thought was some great music. She wrote some great music. Mm -hmm. I ended up being in that band. Mm -hmm. And, uh, well, I think even before that, Ty was doing a demo. He was doing a demo with Tracy Zinn. Mm -hmm. And Greg Voles was recording it. Okay. And I was going to play, play drums on it. Right. And I remember seeing Ty sitting in the corner of, a, I think it was a church, mm -hmm. just sitting up against the wall playing these licks. I'm going, that guy can play the guitar, man. Yeah. I've not heard somebody play like that. Right. And it kind of excited me. Yeah. And we ended up being in that band together. And Doug and I had been in bands together. Mm -hmm. But we had never done anything all three of us right in the same band and at one point we just said and ty had played with doug mm -hmm. i'd play with doug i play with ty i mean we, like i said we all played in different things and uh at one point we just said why don't we become a band ourselves right and we did and now i'm talking to you right <laughs> and um there's always been like kind of gray area about like whether you guys were intentionally gonna going to go for the christian market or be a christian band or whether you weren't, or whether it was just part of what you personally believed in. What is your take on it? I mean, did, were you guys initially more of a Christian act and moved away from it, or how did, how did it work back then? Well, I'll say that we all grew up in, we all had Christian um, ideals mm -hmm. in that, back in those days. Right. And I think we all had a tendency to want to believe Christian and even called ourselves Christian. Right. And I think Doug and I both, when we were at like the height of the Christian world, right. You know, with Phil Keggy. Yeah. We both realized, hmm, this isn't where we need to be. Mm. This is not what is really true to us. Okay. And so we formed our own band mm -hmm. and with no intentions of ever being seen or called a Christian band whatsoever. Gotcha. But because we had some of those thoughts that we carried with us. It would come through. It came through somewhere and, you know, we we got labeled this Christian thing. Yeah. And we put some Christian shit out there, mm -hmm. you know. But uh, as time has gone on, I have no Christian in me at all anymore. Mm -hmm. Nor does Doug. And, well, I can't speak for anybody else. Let them speak for themselves. Right, right. But I have no what you say in quotes Christian in me at all. Mm -hmm. My Christian is just whatever I believe in myself to be true. Right. And it has nothing to do with what people consider to be Christianity or anything like that. Right. So for me to say anything 
Christian mm-hmm. is just not true for me. Right. You know, that takes away from mm-hmm. the whole story of who I am. Right. So. And that makes sense. Yeah. Did you feel that the label worked against you over the years, especially early on? Well, I feel like we got put into a place with the labels that didn't necessarily, um, uh, uh, how do I put it? We were on a heavy metal, heavy metal label, basically. Right. Megaforce, mm-hmm. which I loved Megaforce. I'm thankful that they Johnny believed Z, right? in Johnny Z, Marsha, yeah. whatever. I'm thankful they believed in us mm-hmm. and allowed us to make a record and all that, and things happened the way they did. Yeah. Yet at the same time, I never saw us as a heavy metal band. Right. I just saw us as a rock and roll band. We're mm-hmm. just a band. Right. And I think because all of their connections were heavy metal, mm-hmm. we just kind of got pushed into that. Right. And that's that's where all the press came from and mm-hmm. we sort of got sort of labeled that right. and became in that genre. Right. You know, which I always felt like that wasn't totally accurate for right. us. Right. Yeah. You know? I, I remember seeing the video for over my head on headbangers ball, mm-hmm. you know, and it would, it would show up on like metal countdowns and stuff. always metal, mm-hmm. always yeah. metal. Everything yeah. was metal. And I remember hearing it going, this isn't really metal though. This is more rock and roll. And you know, with an old school tinge, you know, especially with Doug's vocals, you know, mm-hmm. but uh, I loved it. Nonetheless, mm-hmm. um, I, re- and I, you tell me if, if the all powerful Wikipedia is incorrect here, but I, one thing I read was that, an, I met that you guys attributed the push to be a little bit more experimental and not so much commercial to a certain manager you had that pushed that. Is that correct? pushed you guys to not be a commercial band to be more uh, I wouldn't say that I don't think that's true I think we were all in in this together and we all made the music that we believed right you know Um, so there wasn't like a there wasn't like a concerted effort to be to to not be top 40 sounding or you were just doing what was true to to you I don't think so yeah I think we're just writing the music that was true to to ourselves yeah right I don't think it was necessarily what you just yeah, said. Yeah, I read that and I was like, that doesn't, that, that's an awful, think that's, that's an awful big brush to paint with to say that this one guy so. said they're going to sound like this, you know, no, I, I and how do you tell somebody to what to sound like anyway, you know? No, I don't think that's the case at all. Okay. I think that, uh, the person you're talking about mm-hmm. was a big part of who we were at the time. Yeah. But no, it wasn't anything like that. Right. Not, yeah. not that I can. Why recall. the decision to go to Texas to, to launch from from Texas because there's some people down there who had a record company mm-hmm. record label and uh, they said hey if you come down here and do something for us we'll yeah. help you do the things that you want to do mm-hmm. so we did oh okay and and through them we met Sam Taylor and that's yeah that's who I read about yeah Sam Taylor but you know wiki is who, who knows if, well you, know, you can you can go yeah I could type put. anything on wiki and it could be reported <laughs> as fact Want to be a member of the Decibel Geek Army? You slimy scumbag, get on your face and give me 25. Join us on our fan page at facebook.com slash decibelgeek. Got a question, comment, request, or legal threat? Call us on our voicemail hotline at 540-DB-GEEK-1. That's 540-324-3351.
Well, one big memory, and I know you've probably been asked about this in a zillion interviews, but if you could just reminisce a little bit about the whole Woodstock experience, because mm. I remember, you know, MTV broadcast the whole weekend, and the majority of the performances were awful, honestly, because um, it was a lot of the sound quality wasn't good, but you guys came on and you guys killed it. And mm. I remember hearing a lot of people say that King's X was the surprise of the whole festival, because... Mm. I think it might have been some of the broadest exposure you guys got, media-wise. What What are your memories of playing that day? My memories of playing that day are this. I remember a couple days before that show, I think we played uh, either Hartford or New Haven, Connecticut, and I hung out with some friends after the show, and they had this whole picture of these raspberry kamikazes. Mm-hmm. And I started drinking with them and other things and hanging out. And I got so unbelievably sick. Mm-hmm. I, th- I felt like I was going to die like we all have felt like we're going to die before when we, when we do things. And I'm thinking, oh, no. Two days before Woodstock, headlines, drummer dies in hotel room. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I was thinking. I felt that bad. You were that bad. So, oh. So, so when when you ask about Woodstock, I think about that. So you had but a then, massive hangover when you played Woodstock? No, no. Oh, this was a few I, I days before. This a couple days before. Oh, okay. That's just what I was thinking. I'm going, oh, I don't remember even the hangover. I, f- I think I felt fine the next oh, day. Oh, okay. I was thinking, oh, no, I'm going to die. Oh, wow. But uh, <laughs> but the show itself, it was uh, it felt like the real thing. It felt like Woodstock. Yeah. It really did. It had the vibe of Woodstock. Mm-hmm. And I remember the, uh, I think it was the Houston Post or the... Uh, Houston Chronicle, whichever the mm-hmm. the two big newspapers of Houston at the time. Sure. On the front page, it had a quote from me. It feels like the real thing. Yeah. You know, because it just yeah. did. Hey, one, two, three, four. Yeah. And it was incredible. I mean, you look out, there's a whole sea of people, mm-hmm. you know, 300,000 people. Yeah. And I uh, remember looking out there and there's one section that was completely a different color there's people then there's this section of a different color then there's the rest of the people huh and they were the mud people oh yeah they i remember the whole brown thing. there's like this yeah. whole line of brown you look out there <laughs> and uh and it was just incredible it really was it was it was it was a great experience to, to play woodstock I mean, right my goodness did and, you see an upsurge in fans from from that performance I don't remember. You don't remember? I don't know about that stuff. Yeah. You just go out and play. I, I, I'd I like to think. I don't know. I just don't know how to answer that. Yeah. And since Woodstock, you've released a lot of great albums. And like I mentioned earlier, Ogre Tones being one that I particularly enjoyed. That was the one that I I, I remember you guys from over my head, Gretchen Goes to Nebraska. What what does Gretchen go to, Goes to Nebraska even mean, honestly? Well, I will tell you the story. Okay. Way back in the early days before anybody knew who we were. Uh, I remember loading up or unloading or something. And one of the guys that worked with us, the name was Kevin Morning. We were talking about album titles. What would we call an album? We make a rap, an album someday, a record someday. Because, you know, we believed we were going to make a record someday. Yeah. And he said, and, and just out of the top of his head, off the top of his head, he said, Gretchen goes to Nebraska. As simple as that? Simple as that. And we said, someday we're going to name gonna a be record. That's going to be the name. <laughs> we will name a record Gretchen Goes to Nebraska. So there is no Gretchen or story of a journey to Nebraska or anything? Well, I wrote a story. Ended up being that. Oh, you wrote a story based on the title? Yeah, it's, a, it's, a, it's, in, it's in the album. 
Oh, okay. Yeah, you aren't a fan, are you? I'm not a diehard. I told you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. I'm not gonna. Oh, I've got everything. I mean, I, I'm a fan, but, but I'm I not did, a diehard. But I, when I started writing the story, though, I didn't set out to write a Gretchen story. Gotcha. But as it came about, yeah. I just incorporated Gretchen into it. And okay. It became that. Okay, that makes and sense. We put it on the record and blah blah blah. Well, Ogre Tones, you did here in Nashville with Michael Wagoner also. That is correct. How did you, is that, was that your first experience working with him? Was that album? That was. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And obviously it went well for you to come back and, and do this here. Yep, absolutely. And I, I love Michael. I was asked, you love Michael? I love Michael. We love Michael. Well, since I've, got, favorite. Mm-hmm. since I've got both of you here and you both worked on this this week, I was talking to him while you were still setting up gear. I saw this photo of a trash can hanging up in the studio. And uh, just explain to me what what's going on with a trash can hanging it, in the it's studio. Kind of like, it's kind of like the secret sauce, though, of the record. Wouldn't you say? Like, I mean, are we supposed to give away the secret sauce? You know, you know. It was more like an like of a uh, an ambiance. Sounds kind of French. Ambience um, of uh, it's, it was kind of like used like a room mic. You okay. know, Michael posted a picture of, of the actual trash can online. Yeah. You've seen it. Yeah, I saw it. And everybody thinks Jerry's up there with a big, huge uh, mallet bang. <laughs> well, that's what eye. I was picturing. Right, right? <laughs> yeah. It's kind of misleading, though. But it was more of just uh, more of like a room mic, and there's a microphone, in, a really cheap microphone. Oh, to microphone. catch sound coming Very through cheap. the can. Uh, like, it's actually that? the microphone $7 that... dollar microphone. And it's the microphone that uh, on... Overtones, right? Is it Overtones, the song Alone? Alone, right? Yeah. Alone. And the, Ty the sings first, that first part. Yeah, the first part. It was it's sung the same into mic. that it's mic. the Alone yeah. mic that Ty screamed that. Right. Oh, that's right? a cool little tidbit. Yeah, I, yeah. When, when Michael said, I'm like, cool, man, we have to use that mic. Wow. But actually, Michael drew a diagram and he said it's a $7 mic in a $30 trash can <laughs> into like a $4,000 mic pre okay. into a $6,000, uh, you know, compressor right. into like a $20,000, you know, whatever. And ends up to be like... It's and finalized into and it's finally an, into MP3. 99 right. cents. Exactly. 99 Compressed cents. all to hell. No, but it was actually some <laughs> microphone inside the trash can Yeah. Um, to catch the coloration of, of the metallic... Wow. Yeah. So it had a really cool overtone, and then yeah. you know we just have that on all the tracks, and we don't need to use it if we don't want to. Right. But you can uh, do many, many cool things, man, with that extra little. Yeah. You know, you can compress it. You can, uh, you know, take all the low end. You can keep the ring in it. Mm-hmm. It's really interesting, and and I think he used it that type of thing on another record. Um, was it Lordy Band? Lordy, Lordy or something like that. And yeah, like, that, that, that might be really cool for what we. We had a, like a song that we wanted to maybe try it on, so we just left it in the room and we tracked all the drums with it. That's really creative. And, I mean, and Michael's like a he's like a he's on a he's cutting edge, man. Yeah. He's got all that you know experience and knowledge and wisdom. Yeah. But he has like he's still like trying new things. Yeah, because I've never heard you know? of that kind of a you know pulling he's that awesome. kind of sound yeah, off. He's awesome. that, that's really interesting. He's always doing different things. When we did uh, constantly experimenting, you know, always. We, one of the records, either Ogre Tone or, had to have been Ogre Tones, yeah. I think. Uh, we set up outside, set the drums up outside in the parking lot mm-hmm. and, and played out there. Really? Recorded out there. Wow. No uh, one thing, just yeah, nature. Just, just nature, yeah. I remember when you guys were doing that album, there was something he was doing where he was, it was something, it was like a workshop where people could come and watch you guys yep. record. Exactly. How was that? It was very fun. Was it? was it? great. I yeah. think everybody enjoyed it. We enjoyed it. That's cool. It was cool. Met some people. They got to hang out with us and 
ask us questions and things like that. Yeah, I remember reading about that. I was like, that's a very outside-the-box idea, you know, mm-hmm. to do that, to have somebody actually sit in on, to see how it's all made, you know. You know, what a cool thing, like, you know, for those diehard fans, you know. Yeah, and, uh, unlike you. a glimpse of uh, the magic, you know. <laughs> Cut the overall theme yeah, of this you interview. you probably wouldn't have been there. <laughs> I would have been there if I felt your neck. Okay, I'm picking up the whole King's X catalog and your solo albums after this interview, okay? You'll convert me. You've, you've been through enough in the past year, you deserve that much. Okay, deal. <laughs> All right, so uh, before we wrap things up, so you said you're gonna you will come back to do more session work on the album. So, yes. but we're hoping for a 2013 release on this. Yes, we are. We're hoping for that, aren't we, Dan? I'm gonna, I'm gonna say yeah, definitely. I'm gonna say yeah. Yeah, we can do that. And not to pester you with King's X stuff, but what's next for for the King's X guys? I don't know. Just taking it easy right more, now. More of what King's X does. Yeah, you just did a tour with Kansas. We did. How was that? It was great. It was the first thing I did since I died. Yeah. Or the first King's X thing I did since I died. Pretty apprehensive getting on stage for that? Well, at that point, I, w- I felt pretty confident. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, we had already talked about this tour before the before the heart attack. Right. And once the heart attack happened, I thought, you know, I don't know if I can do that. I don't know if I'm, if I'm ever going to play again. Yeah. You know, I don't know if I ever want to play again. Mm-hmm. You know, I think I just want to sit at home all the time now. Yeah. But uh, as time went on and I started doing what I did, exercising, getting myself in shape, I started realizing, hmm, I think I might be able to do this. Mm-hmm. And I committed to it back in April or May. Yeah. Before I really knew I could do it. Mm-hmm. So it kind of gave me an incentive to get myself really well. Yeah. And uh, after the first show, I remember thinking, wow, I think I can do what this. What kind of a rush was that to get back on and do a whole show? It was pretty great, man. Yeah. It was pretty great. Yeah. It was in New York City, mm. which is sort of like my area. Yeah. And it was great. I bet the fans were really the fans the were great. They started one. chanting my name at yeah. the first show. It's like, wow. It was really great. That's one of those shows you'll take to the grave. Yeah. Yeah. Let's no, not talk about graves. Well, no time soon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Bad no choice of words on my part. <laughs> totally no pun intended. <laughs> Believe me. Die hard. It was yeah. graves. Yeah. That's yeah. points right there. That was awesome. <laughs> well, it's wonderful to see you in such good spirits, and you're, you're, you've handled so much so well, and I wish you nothing but the best with the new album and with everything you've got going on in the future. Thank you, man. And I, I will go out it. and buy some albums, I promise. All right. Thanks. <laughs> and DA, thank you for, for doing this it's for my us. My pleasure. Underdog Thanks Studios. Uh, where can we find out Jerry's uh, info? Where where can people find out about what you're doing? It's probably just jerrygaskell.com. Jerrygaskell.com. All right. You know, and you can yeah. always go to uh, uh, theunderdogstudios.com as well. The Underdog or, Studios. Or Facebook. Or, Look up Jerry. Yeah, see anything on Facebook, there. yeah. Mm-hmm. And there will be links to all these sites on the uh, yeah. show notes for this show. Mm-hmm. Very easy to find all of that. Thanks so much, guys. Thank you. Thank you. See, I knew you had it covered. I think I did pretty good. You did great. Yeah, it was fun. It's very cool to hear a story about a guy, you know, ups and downs like that. And, you know, it's inspirational for anybody that can hear that. No matter how bad things get, you know, you can always bounce back if you have that perseverance and, you know, and you you care enough to try. Yeah. You know, and this guy definitely, he's trying and he's doing real good for himself. And I'm glad to hear it. He's a truly special person. And as I mentioned in the interview, I had interviewed him about six years ago. And I remember at the time... 
uh, I interviewed him. I was like, boy, what a nice guy. And then hearing about the heart attack, I was like, man, yeah. he does not deserve that. But uh, super nice guy. And uh, DA also you know, mentioned to me after the interview was over, he was like, I've been a King's X fan and a Jerry fan for a long time, and you asked the stuff I would have wanted to know. Yeah, you So do. those of you that are big, diehard Jerry and King's X fans, I hope you enjoyed this, and I hope you'll stick on, stick up, stay on board. Mm-hmm. And, stick uh, around. Stick around and listen to future shows. So uh, thanks again to Jerry for coming on the show. Thanks to D.A. Carcos, theunderdogstudios.com. And go to facebook.com slash decibelgeek and go to our website. What's the address? It's www.decibelgeek.com. See you next week. Hey, you want to fire up the DeLorean next week? Yeah, maybe we should do that. Right on. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.